The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15, verse 11, in just the next few minutes that we have together, and I'm going to be a little short, uh, shorter today than normal. Um, You know that being short's a relative issue, right? If you watch people on TV, they typically preach messages for an hour, hour and a half, and so I'm going to be a little bit shorter um, than that today. I'm actually going to be shorter than normal. Thank you, Tom, my one fan of my message today. If you've attended here very long, one of the things that you you recognize is that we spend a lot of time talking about Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for us so that we can understand just what it is that Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and so that we can learn how to take hold of that which Christ has provided for us to take hold of. See, it does us no good if Jesus Christ, in dying on the cross, provided for you and I the abundant life. That's what his word says. He came that we might have life and have life more abundantly or to the full. It does us no good if we don't learn how to understand that and how to appropriate that for our lives and get that working in our lives. Unfortunately, too many people have the understanding or the perception about Christianity that Christianity is just making this decision for Christ and then just trying to hold on until we one day die or the rapture comes and we go to heaven. It's much more than that. God's called you to live an abundant life right now. God wants to bless you right now. God wants you to know that you're already standing in his grace and the favor that's on your life, he wants it operating in your life. So it's important that we know about Christ because the spirit that is going to be prevalent in the end times, which by the way is what we're in, We are in the end times. The spirit that's prevalent in the end times is not the spirit of anti-God. It's the spirit of anti-Christ. It's the spirit of anti-the person of Christ, anti-the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's the spirit of anti-Christ, not the spirit of anti-God. If you watch people on TV, they can say something about God all, all day long and people are totally fine with it. But if they acknowledge or thank Jesus Christ... A lot of people get really uncomfortable. So we love to talk about Jesus Christ. We're going to continue to talk about Jesus Christ. But we want to also take a few weeks to talk about the Father's love. See, the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, they're they're one. And we want to talk about the Father's love because when we understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross to restore a relationship with the Father, we can get a wrong perspective about the Father. We can think that that our father is a disappointed father. We can think that our father is a father that's constantly looking at our problems and our mistakes. That when he looks at us and sees us, all he's ever focused on are the problem areas of our life and things that we're doing wrong. We can see God as an angry God who's never happy with his children. But honestly, nothing could be further from the truth today. In fact, look what the Word of God says about the Father in John 3.16. Stay stay there in Luke, if you would. But in John 3.16, it says, For God, the Father, so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, the Father loved each one of us so much that He gave us His Son. It was His idea to send His only Son to save us. And it was Jesus' mission while he was here on earth to reveal to his children 
the Father's love. So that each and every one of us would understand how perfectly the Father loves you today. See, there's something very powerful about knowing the Father intimately. See, when we don't know the Father intimately and we think the Father is angry with us all the time, we never want to be in His presence. We avoid His presence at all costs. But when we begin to understand how much He loves us, we want to know the Father intimately. We want to be in his presence. In fact, Romans 8 says this, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. God doesn't want you to be fearful of him. He he doesn't want you to be anxious, even though he's a holy God, even though he's an all-powerful God. He doesn't want you to be fearful, but you receive the spirit of adoption. Actually, a better word is sonship. It means the placing of a son by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. He's our father today. And notice that the the Holy Spirit didn't translate the word Abba because Abba is the most intimate way that we can address the father. It means daddy. You know, when my boys need something from me, I love it when they say dad or daddy. My, My son's 21 years old and he'll still call me daddy. I love it. I love it that he's that intimate. And it's not this, father, would you mind if we borrowed the truck so we could go get something? Daddy has a sense of intimacy. So Jesus shares this parable in Luke chapter 15. Now a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In other words, it's set in an earthly setting, but God's trying to help us understand a heavenly meaning. And he shared this parable in Luke 15 to help us understand the Father's love. So if you would, in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, it says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. Now notice how it starts out that a certain man had two sons. And in this par- parable, Jesus is going to liken his, this earthly father to our heavenly father. Jesus is showing us what our heavenly father is like. See, we've always heard this parable. If you grew up in church like me, I always heard this parable from the perspective about the son. That it was about the wayward son, the son going off. But notice it starts out a certain man talking about the father. The father is the hero in this story. The father is the main character in this story. The father is the main point in this story. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now notice that he divided it to them. He divided it both to the younger son who was asking for it, but also to the older son. Now, we have to understand that this parable is being set in Jewish culture, which meant that the younger son was basically saying to his father, I can't wait for you to die. The money that I'm going to get, the inheritance that I'm going to get, I want my money now. So the father is being totally rejected by his younger son. Now you need to hold on to that to understand this parable. You need to understand that the younger son is actually rejecting his father. So the father divides his livelihood, which by the way, when they divided it in Jewish culture, he divided it to them, to both of them. There were three parts he basically divided. He gave one part to the younger son, but the older son got two parts of the inheritance. All the older sons that are here today said, amen. That's the way it still should be, amen? Sorry, Neil. Reading on in verse 13, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. 
But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. And when he came to himself, see, this is what happens sometimes when we get lost and we get away from the Father. We're just not in our right mind. And suddenly he came to himself. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, let me ask you, based upon what we just read and what the son was processing through his mind, how many of you think the son really cared that he had broken his father's heart? How many of you think that he really cared about what his father thought or how his father felt, and that's why he wanted to be a hired servant, right? No. Why was he doing it? Because he's hungry. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, you've got to know something because we're going to read on, but he doesn't even get a chance to finish his re her speech of saying, make me like one of your hired servants, because that was not going to be in the father's heart. Why? Because to become a hired servant would have meant that he would have had been able to earn something from his father. How does this apply to us with God today? Listen, God is not ever, ever, ever going to allow us to earn his love, to earn his goodness, to earn his blessings, to earn his favor, to earn his peace, to earn his, our health, to earn joy. We're never going to be able to earn it. The father didn't even give him a chance to try to become a servant. Look at it in verse 22. But the father said to his servants... Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this son, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. You know what that means? It means they began to partay. They began to have a good time. Now, there's a whole other part of the story that I wish I had time this morning to unpack about the older brother who comes in from the field while the party's going on and gets mad at his dad for welcoming his wayward brother back. And he begins to complain even though he's already been given a double portion. Remember that? He was given a double portion earlier. He begins to complain about how he's been faithfully serving his father and how his father's never offered him a goat to make merry with his friends when it all actually belonged to him. That's a whole other part of the parable we don't have time to unpack because I want you just to notice just one verse this morning in Jesus' parable that explains to each of us just how much our Heavenly Father loves each one of us. Because in this verse we are going to see five things that this Father does that helps us understand five things that our Heavenly Father does for and towards you and I today. Every one of us that are here today. And it's my prayer today that you would allow the Holy Spirit to touch 
your heart, to reveal some areas in your heart where you've had a wrong perspective or a wrong understanding about the way that the Father views you. It's in verse 20 and it says this, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. I want you to notice that the Bible says that his father saw him. Now what does that tell you? It tells you that the father was always looking for his son. Every day he's scanning the horizon. Every night he has a watchful eye looking for the return of his son. And the Bible says that while he was still a great way off, a long ways off, the father saw him. See, the first thing that we see about our Heavenly Father is He sees us. I know that some of you think that God doesn't know what's going on in your life and the things that you're walking through, you think that He's abandoned you, but our Father sees us. See, you can be far from your Father, but your Father still sees you. And He doesn't see you in a fault-finding way. He's not trying to look at just your problems. He's not trying to look at why on earth would my son make that decision? Why on earth would he choose this? He sees you, and he sees your need of him. So when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, and how does he see him? And had compassion. See, the second thing that we see about the father, first thing is that he sees us. The second thing is that he had compassion for his son. He had compassion for a wayward son, a son that rejected him. A son that had scorned him by demanding his inheritance from him. The father had compassion. See, Jesus is saying to us in this parable, this is what your heavenly father is like. He has compassion in his heart for each one of you. He doesn't have bitterness. He doesn't have resentment. He doesn't have disappointment. He doesn't have anger because he loves you with an unconditional love. He has compassion towards you today. And what did that compassion cause him to do? The next thing that we see, he had compassion and ran. The father ran. And the Greek word here for run means a sprint, like you would run in a race. See, the father ran after his son. Now, this is not culturally acceptable. Fathers don't run after sons in this culture, but the father ran with a sprint towards and after his son, towards this wayward son. Why do you think that this father ran so fast? Because our feet tend to follow our heart. His heart had been with the son, and now that he was seeing the son, his feet were running as fast as he could towards his son. He ran towards his son even before his son repented of his ways. Please catch that. His son had not said, yet, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He ran as fast as he could. This is what our Heavenly Father does with you and I. He runs to us. You know, in fact, we think that God's running from us when we're running from Him. He's following us. He's behind us all the time. He's right there all the time. Verse 20 again, but while he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. Now, the term fell on his neck means that he embraced his son. He he didn't come up to his son because there had been some awkwardness. Have you ever had a fight with somebody or gone through a difficulty with somebody, and then you see him again, and there's a sort of awkwardness in it? And you used to, when you saw him at church, man, it was a bear hug. How you doing, man? Great to see you. And now something's happened, and so it's kind of, you're not sure exactly how you need to respond. So we kind of stick our hand out there, and if they don't, 
they don't shake our hand, we kind of go like this, like, you know, we didn't, didn't really weren't going to shake their hand. Or if we try to hug them and they, they kind of pull back, we just kind of say, yeah, I'm sorry, just kidding, right? It, it wasn't just a little pat on the back. It's, it's an embrace. It's a bear hug. Any of you huggers today? You like to give a bear hug to your kids? So what he did, it was a bear hug. He grabbed him and held him, held him tight, even though the son probably smelt like the pigs that he'd been working with. The father embraced his son, held him tightly. Then there's one last thing. He ran and fell on his neck, and he kissed him. He kissed him. The Greek word here means that he kissed him earnestly. He kissed him again and again. He kissed him repeatedly. Have you ever seen a parent that's lost a kid in a shopping center or in some store and find them again? You know, sometimes their first reaction is to be mad, but one, most of the time it's just, oh, I'm so glad you're here, and it's just sugar, 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 sugar. That's what this dad's doing. He's sugaring on his boy. His boy is home. He's loving on him, and don't forget he smelled like pigs. His hair's probably dirty, he's probably matted, he probably has not had a shower in a long time, but the father who had been looking for his son with a heart of compassion had run to him, had embraced him, and is now kissing him and loving on him. He's doing all these things even though the father was the one that was rejected. See, the son really should have fallen at his father's feet. And kissed his father's feet. But it was the father who had embraced him and kissed him. And even before the son had the opportunity to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. He was already forgiven. It was a done deal. The the day he left, the father had already made a choice. He's forgiven. Whenever he comes back, he's forgiven. Because you see, if the father had not done that, he would have been letting that fester in his spirit and in his soul. And he'd be kept thinking about how the son had done him wrong and rejecting him. And then he would have not done the things that I'm sharing with you. But because he was already forgiven, the father was able to easily just walk out and do all these things. He was able to look for him all the time. He was able to have compassion. He was able to run to him. He was able to embrace him and he was able to kiss him because he'd already forgiven him. His forgiveness was instant. See, the boy wasn't on probation. We do that sometimes with people, don't we? The boy wasn't on probation. Let's just kind of check it out and see how he's going to do and see if he can prove himself. Our father's forgiveness is instant. You you need to know today from your heavenly father, his forgiveness for you is instant. You, you don't have to pay penance. You don't have to do enough right things to get in right standing with God. All you have to do is simply open up your heart and life to God, and instantly He forgives you. And if you're already a follower of Christ, even if you've blown it, He's already forgiven you. You're already forgiven. His love for you, His forgiveness for you is instant. So the Father does five things, which is interesting because five is the number of grace. He's watching what you know today, man, your heavenly Father's watching out for you. He's looking for you when you go, when you leave the reservation. He's constantly looking and watching for you. He has compassion for you. He runs to you. He embraces you and he kisses you. That's the attitude and the heart of our loving heavenly Father towards you and I. That God operates in unconditional love for every one of us. So my prayer for us this morning is that no matter what it is that we've been taught 
Maybe it's because of the way our fathers act. Because even at best, our fathers were imperfect. I had a wonderful father, but he was imperfect. But maybe you have this perspective of a father based upon either your father or another father, and you're thinking, man, this, this father is kind of you know, iffy. Uh, does he like me? Does he not like me? I pray today that you'll get a perspective that God loves you unconditionally today, and he loves you perfectly today. He's for you. He's not against you today. So I want to pray over us as we close our time together. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head. This has been a presentation of Amarillo's Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more